It is wonderful to see each of you here today. We know and trust there are many joining us by uh, the Zoom platform. We're very thankful that, that you have tuned in as well. It's good for us to be here today. Well, we'll get things going here in a minute. Mark, I'm having trouble getting the PowerPoint up. There we go. Life is cyclical. It's ever-changing. You know, it's been said, there's a quote, that the only constant is change. And how true that is. Life is full of changes. It throws curves at us from time to time, and it causes us to doubt. It causes us fear. We, and I'm speaking from my personal standpoint, I want things to be like they've always been. I'm not a person that likes change. I think of my nephew, Zachary, when he was a little boy, he liked to go to grandmother's house and he loved biscuits and gravy. He wanted grandmother, though, to prepare those biscuits, put the gravy on it, and then cut it up in bite-sized pieces. And he'd let her do that for a long time. And we, we tease him and say he'd probably still do it now if he wasn't embarrassed for his grandmother to prepare a grown man's food. But he's one of those guys that he likes things the way he likes them, the way they've always been. And that's the way I tend to be. I don't like change. It makes me nervous. But you know, Jesus tells us that life is going to be ever-changing. Jesus tells us that we're going to have trouble. I guess that would help, wouldn't it? Jesus said we're going to have trouble. He told his disciples in John 16 and verse 33, he said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have trouble. Or the King James Version says tribulation. But he says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus offers peace. So how do we reconcile that? We're living in a world that's not peaceful. We live in a political climate where it is full of hatred. There is just division everywhere we look. Through the last two months, we have just been through a total upheaval in what we think things should be. Our life has changed. So how do we reconcile that when Jesus says that we're going to have peace? It's because he never promised that we would have peace or that peace would be an absence of difficulty. He said you're going to have trouble. So let's be reminded that peace is not the absence of difficulty, but rather a mindset of how we handle the circumstances of life. You know, we all experience highs and lows in our lifetime. And as I said, God never promised that our lives would be without difficulty. There are going to be times that we experience great things. We're going to be on a high, so to speak. And there's going to be times that we experience those valleys. It's in the valleys that we can't always see clearly. There's obstacles in our way. But it's in those times that God uses these things to bring us closer to Him and to show His faithfulness to us as His children. So this morning, I want us to consider a few things as we look through God's Word, and we're going to relate some stories and look at people in the Bible that had a major upheaval in their lives and how they handled it. The first one that I want to talk about is Joseph. You know, Joseph, as a young man, he was very favored by his father. He was cared for. Things seemed to be going his way, and he was glad. He liked the way things were. 
But there was a valley to come in his life that God was going to show through the difficulties that Joseph went through what he could accomplish in him. It's in that valley that God proved the purpose of the life of Joseph. Joseph endured many life-changing hardships, and it was there that his character was shown, and he was able to have a lasting and a profound effect on the people of God. Another example is that of Abraham. God promised Abraham in Genesis 15 and verse 5, He said, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. God made a promise to Abraham. He told him, he said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. He said, you look into the sky and you see the stars. He said, the, your descendants are going to be innumerable. He also made a promise in just a few verses later of a spiritual promise that through Abraham, all men would be blessed. And verse 6 says that Abraham uh, counted to God for righteousness. Abraham knew, he had faith, he realized that God would do what he promised. But just a few chapters later, we find in Genesis 22 that God called on Abraham to take that promised son through whom the lineage would come and to offer him as a sacrifice. Genesis 22 and verse 2 says, And he said, Take heed now, and he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. God had promised to bless Abraham. Abraham had had this son in his old age, and now God calls upon him to take him and offer him as a sacrifice. Can you imagine the darkness and the difficulty that, that Abraham went through as he made that journey? I can't imagine what thought process, process he had. But the Bible tells us that through that, that Abraham never wavered, that he never questioned God. We think that we have stress in our life. I think about people that we read of in the Scripture and what they went through, and they never wavered. Another example is that of David. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapters 19 through 22, we find the story of David. And David was a shepherd boy. He was just out in the pasture tending sheep. And now all of a sudden he's called and, and Samuel, through the direction of God, chooses David to be the next king of Israel. He leaves his home and he goes and he lives with Saul. And in, in a matter of time, we see that that jealousy develops between, from Saul to, to David and so David now is pursued, and he has to flee. He's living in caves, running because he is in fear of his own life. But let's read what David said in Psalm 57, verse 1. He said, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. David was experiencing a great upheaval in his life. He was in fear of his own life. But he said, I trust in you, God. He said, it's in the shadow of thy wings that I will make my refuge. 
In each of these examples that we've cited, it is a fact that these men were able to persevere and even grow as they went through hardship. So the question that I want each of us to ask ourselves this morning is, how do I handle hardship? How do I handle change and upheaval? You know, the human nature in us leads us to respond with fear, with doubt, or an inclination to gain control. It's been said that the most valuable asset that we have is our attention. So it asks the question of each of us, to what are we attending to? Are we attending to our fear? Or are we attending to the God who promises to be with us? Are we attending to our doubt? Or are we attending to the truth of God that never changes? Are we attending to our need for control? Or are we attending to God's will for us even when chaos is all around us? It's important for us to realize the power of God in the good times and in the bad. We've heard it said, and it's so true, God is still God. Even though our life has changed and there are things that we're called upon to do that we're not comfortable for, with, God is still God. In the difficult times, He's still God. But in the good times, just as well. We can look at the good that comes out of change sometimes. I told you I don't like change. I haven't liked social distancing. But I have also seen such a blessing in that in how that families have grown closer. Families have been closer together and they've not had as many distractions. So God is still God and he's good to us each and every day. Acts 17 verses 27 and 28 says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being. God said in the Old Testament to his people, he said, I am a God that is nearby. He's always there. And in the times that we feel out of control, let's be reminded that God is always in control. Matthew 19, verse 26 says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Philippians 4, verses 12 and 13, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know, this is a verse that has been applied to many, many things, and I like Hugh's analogy of it. You know, God doesn't care about ball games. But what this verse tells us is that God equips us to handle what life throws at us. He equips us through His Word and through His Spirit, through the power of prayer. He equips us to handle the things that we don't necessarily like, the things that we feel uncomfortable with, the things that we fe may feel nervous about. He has given us the tools to walk through the difficulty. 
The reality is that we as Christians need the mountains and the valleys to continue to grow as Christians. As our faith is tested, we grow and we learn to be more dependent on God and upon Jesus Christ. God uses difficult situations in our lives. He uses time and chance, the laws of nature. He uses these things in our lives to work and to make us stronger. Even when we're weak, we can be made strong in Christ. You know, all too often I make the mistake of thinking that I'm in control. And that often happens when things are going well. And I'll relate something to you that I've probably related to you before, but I think about the year 2007, it was October 10th, I had a beautiful crop in the field. I had seed maize that was six foot tall and ready for harvest. I had cotton that was defoliated and ready for harvest. We had harvested just a few acres of dad's crop that year. And on October the 10th, the hail came through and I mean, it just leveled it. There was absolutely nothing left to harvest. There was nothing to salvage. And I, th- I know that every one of you have, have in- encountered something similar to that in your life. It's some kind of devastating event that you ask yourself, how am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't look at my circum- your circumstance, but rather, he says, look to him for the strength that we need and that he's promised to provide. You know, gold and precious metals are refined by fire. These metals come out of the ground as raw ore, and they have to be processed, and that refining process includes heat. Our lives are also refined by the heat and the pressure of difficult situations. Isaiah 48 and verse 10 says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. God takes our raw human nature and he refines it into something that's useful and precious. Malachi 3, verses 2 and 3 says, But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. I read a book one time that used these verses, and and the writer of the book used this analogy. He said in old times when when they refined uh, raw ore, he said a a refiner would take silver, that ore, and would put it into a, a smelting pot, and it was a very slow and careful process that he would heat that over the fire, and as he did so, he would continually take the impurities off the top as, as it went through that process. And he said that it was when the refiner could see his reflection in that pool of metal that he knew that it was pure and that it was ready to be used to be fashioned into something of useful nature or something that was precious. And he used that same analogy that you and I go through those difficult times in life. The heat and the pressure is applied to us 
And it's when we trust in God and when those around us can see in our actions the reflection of Christ that we know that we are fulfilling that purpose and that we have that peace that is promised through our God. Proverbs, uh, Romans 8 verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. From the very beginning of time, God had a plan and he put it in place that those that would be conformed to the image of his Son would receive salvation, that through Christ we can have that gift. I want us to consider that difficulty brings us closer to Jesus Christ. I've read a quote that says, You will never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And haven't we seen that in other people's lives, in situations that are so difficult, so dark, that we, looking on, ask ourselves, how can they get through this? How can they walk through this difficult situation? And come out on the other side even stronger. I think back to our discussion of David. David was just that way. David went through something that was so difficult, but he came to a point that he knew that God was all he had. So what is it that enables you and I to go through difficult situations? I believe it's the peace that Jesus promised to give us. I want to look at... Philippians 4, I want to see, uh, notice a few verses there as we look at what I think can be a formula for peace. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Christ has, um, has promised peace. How do we obtain it? I think there's three conditions of peace, and I want to quickly go through those with you. And the first being that we must have a right relationship with God. Let's go back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God. He had placed them in the garden. He gave them a purpose. They had direct communication with God. Things were as they should be. But what happened? Sin entered the world. And when the sin came into the world, what did Adam do? He hid, didn't he? The Bible says that he hid himself from God. Isn't that what we do when sin comes into our life? We want to hide because we know that relationship is not right. There's no way that we can have peace if we do not have a right relationship with our Creator. So that's number one. Number two is, I think we need to have a right relationship with others. Look at verse 5. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. That word moderation can also be translated gentleness. In our relationships with other people, we must have gentleness. And I understand that in a perfect world, we would get along with everybody. And that's not always the case. There are some relationships that always have a degree of difficulty. 
But if every relationship that I have is a difficult one, I've got to look at myself as being the common denominator, don't I? If every relationship I have has difficulty and trouble, I've got to ask myself the question, why? Paul said, let your gentleness be known to everybody. We need to have a buffering effect, so to speak. When we spray chemicals on the farm, we use, oftentimes we use a buffering agent. We use something called ammonium sulfate, and we put that into the water before we ever put the herbicide in, and that buffering agent, that ammonium sulfate, makes the chemical work like it should. We need to, to be that kind of buffering agent in our relationships. We need to show gentleness. We need to do all that we can, all that's within our power, to get along with other people. I don't have to push every argument to the last ounce. I don't have to drive every deal to my advantage. I don't have to be right. We must understand our role in human relationships and how we can make those better. The third thing that I think we need to look at is to not be anxious. He said, be careful for nothing. You know, anxiety is something that can be a huge roadblock to peace. Do you ever have things in your life that even keep you up at night, things that you worry about, things that you're anxious about? I have a reoccurring dream that comes around about every year in February or early March. I'll be way, about halfway asleep and I come to the realization or in my mind I do that it's time to plant a crop and I've done absolutely nothing. I haven't prepared the soil. I haven't applied any fertilizer. I am, I am just way behind. And my mind can play tricks on me and it's in that crazy state that you just kind of wake up in a sweat. But you know, when you really look at the, the reality, there's always a way to work through those things that may worry us. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, he says, Thou wilt keep him, keep him in peace, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. We can trust in God, and it's in God and through Jesus Christ that we have peace. You know, sometimes when we think about peace, we may picture a beautiful location in the mountains. I like to go to the mountains. It just seems to be a peaceful place to me. Some people like a place by the lake. There are scenes like that and places that we can go that just seem to be of rest. But it's not in those places that peace is sustained. As young moms train up little ones that fuss and fight all day, as we navigate breaking news on social media, as we face decisions for our own lives, as we wait for test results, as we wrestle with our own shortcomings, anxious thoughts follow us because peace is not based on the circumstances that we think about, but the truth that we focus our minds upon. You know, if we fix our minds on all the things that might go wrong, we will anxiously work to never miss a step. We will trust in ourselves and we will worry about what we cannot know and what we cannot control. But when we fix our minds on Jesus and trust him, we find that he gives us lasting peace and he doesn't just give that peace, but he sustains it.
You know, the world offers a counterfeit peace, but what Jesus has to offer, he says, is like no other. John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. We are God's workmanship. In Genesis, it says that we are created in the image of God. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God works on us, molds us, and he does that in the valleys, in the times that we feel pressure, that we feel like we are in distress. I've, I've heard people use the analogy of coal and diamonds. They're both the same thing. They're carbon. But what is the difference? One is much more precious than the other. And it's because of the pressure that it has gone through. Sometimes it's a difficult situation or circumstance that can bring us to our knees and to show us just how much we need God, and it can bring about a change in our lives that is necessary. Second Corinthians 4 verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The things that we go through, the light affliction that we go through, it prepares us for something so much better. I want all of us to, be, to, to remember that even in overwhelming circumstances, God can use very small things to show His power in our lives, just as He has done before. With David, it was one smooth stone that put the giant on the ground. With Samson, he used the, the jawbone of an animal as he fought the Philistines. And the Bible says that he slew a thousand men. And it was with just five loaves that Jesus Christ fed a great multitude. So I would ask you today, where are you at? What are your struggles? What are the things that cause you difficulty? And I ask you, do you have peace? The peace that Jesus offers begins with being reconciled to him through a right relationship. That comes through faith and obedience and baptism. We cannot experience the peace of God if we are at war with him. If you're a child of his this morning and sin has separated you, then we would ask for you to come and to make the change that's necessary. He offers full forgiveness and restoration. If you're here this morning and subject to the gospel call, we would ask you to come while we stand and sing, and you can have a seat here on the front pew.